Amen. Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles as we get started, Acts chapter 7. I'm going to be right out of the gate. We've got to get moving. I've got 20 points. No, <laughs> I don't have that many. <laughs> I have four points, but it's five pages. So, uh, and it's amazing to have an audience. Can I just hear you guys just give me a little whoop whoop? Because I've, we've been doing the online Wednesday night service, uh, hosting it, midweek service, and it's been an honor to do that. And uh, it's just myself and like David Lazenby, the, who produces it. Come on, shout out to our, our, our production team. And uh, so he's getting it all in that room. But uh, it's so great to be in the house of God with people. And you're here today. So turn to your Bibles and let me hear your pages turn. Acts chapter 7. But as I hear your pages, listen to your pages, I'm going to uh, just give you the title. It's a time to build. I believe that the word that God has given me and laid on my heart is this season that we're coming into is a time to build. And where this all started from, uh, I can't take full responsibility of it. Pastor Phil challenged our staff a few weeks ago uh, with Ecclesiastes. He read down through chapter three, and of course, that we're familiar with that, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to sow, a time to reap, and so on and so forth. And But he challenged us really as a staff to build into our lives personally, uh, the things that we feel that are missing. And he went on to teach us about Sabbath, and it's so important to have Sabbath in your life. God actually created Sabbath, and he said, I knew you needed it. I made this for you. This is something I've asked you to do, Sabbath, get some rest. And so he was challenging us on that. So this really came from a challenging message that Pastor Phil gave us a few weeks ago. And so thank you, Pastor Phil. But a time to build, and I believe that it can speak to us today because it's spoken to me in my life. So just let me build a bit of a context. What are the things that I feel that I need to build into? It may be into my own personal life, devotional time, worship time, reading my Bible, really drawing closer to God. I may need to build into my life boundaries, healthy boundaries. I may need to build into my marriage. What are the things that I need to, what do I need to be intentional on, okay? And the reason this speaks so much to me is I grew up in construction. My dad has owned, uh, he and his business partner, a construction company for, I think, almost 45 years. And so this season that I feel we're moving into uh, is a season that we need to be intentional in how we're building our lives, how we are allowing God to build us, build our lives, okay? So that's the context of this. And the verses I want to get into in Acts chapter 7, um, verses 44 and through 50, and I'm going to read those from the New King James Version. And it's labeled this in my Bible, it's God's true tabernacle. God's true tabernacle. All right, you ready? You got your seatbelts fastened? Here we go. And this is Stephen, and he's giving this sermon to the Israelites, to the leadership, and these, these men that have, uh, that have had the opportunity to know God and have a relationship with God. And he's saying this, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen as God showed you anything lately. God gave Moses a pattern in the Old Testament of what worship and relationship should look like, okay? You can actually find a lot for your own life in that pattern, all right? Verse 45, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with them Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David. How many of you know David had the tabernacle of David worship again, okay? 46, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. 
So David gets to the, David becomes king, and the Ark of the Covenant now is out of the possession of the Israelites, and David comes in and he realizes that we need the presence of God back. And he starts asking God, he says, I need to find a dwelling place. First, he knew he needed the presence of God. He brought it back into the kingdom. And then he said, we need to find a dwelling place for the presence of God. Okay? Verse 47. But Solomon built him a house. And actually, the Bible says that when Solomon offered sacrifice, as they dedicated the temple to God, that the glory of God, the, the, the Shekinah glory so filled the house of God that the priest couldn't continue to minister. Amen? How many want the presence of God to so fill your house that your whole definition of ministry and witnessing and all of that, you can't continue to do it because the presence of God is doing it through you? Come on. Amen? That's what we need in 2021. All right. 48. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples. Somebody says does not dwell in temples, but they are made with hands. As the prophet says in 49, heaven and heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Verse 50. Has my hand not made all these things? This is Stephen talking to the Israelites who really... In the day and the age that they were, they thought they had it figured out, this whole worship thing. Jesus comes on the scene and, of course, kind of blows that all up. And now worship, he said to the, the Samaritan woman, is going to look different. God's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, John chapter 4 tells us about. And so today we're going to talk about building, a time to build. If you're going to build, if you're going to take notes, I encourage you to, I'm going to talk about four things. I'm going to talk about, and not in this order, okay? I'm going to talk about the tools you use to build. I'm going to talk a little bit about materials. I'm going to talk about the cost. And the first thing I'm going to start with is location. Okay? Those four things. If you're going to build something, you need those four things. And can I tell you just to go back on 2020, I think in 2020, as I look back, God has helped us to realize what is important in our life. I think God has helped us to realize. I know that we started out, and I think it was Pastor Tammy preached the message, or else if she didn't to us all, she challenged our staff with 2020 being a year of vision, of clarity, of, of clear vision. And I believe that God's done that. Amen? We may not have liked it. It may not have felt comfortable, but I believe that's what God was up to. What's important in your life? And it, in some ways, he stripped off some of the things that were not so important. I'm grateful for God for doing that. Like I said, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. And I know that there are some people that are in our midst that may be still going through some health challenges, going through some financial challenges. And can I tell you that that's what we need to be doing is building a stronger church. But to build a stronger church, you have to build a stronger you. And if we build a stronger you, you'll build a stronger church who's going to build a stronger community around us. We see our community in shambles. We have to trace it back to where, how have we built how have we allowed God to build our lives? Amen? And so to build, we need these things. And just to give you a little bit of, uh, who's ever been through a construction project or remodeling? Talk about uncomfortable, right? <laughs> In so many ways. My dad used to say this, it's going to take longer and it's going to cost more. <laughs> it's going to take longer and it's going to cost more. I remember this one project that we did, not necessarily with my dad's company. I moved out here in 2008. 
And if you think our economy is bad now, actually our economy is somewhat booming, surprisingly. But in 2008, you couldn't get a job doing anything. And I moved out here. I decided, you know, with uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit, my brother also moved. And we decided we were going to move here to Orange County. Trust me, I'd never been without a job in my life. I started working construction at the age of 13. And so I'm realizing that I'm, as I'm coming down to the 241, I don't have a job. I don't have any employment. And we owe a lot of money to pay for the apartment that we're renting. So fast forward, I get a job doing construction as a laborer. My trade in construction is an electrician. I took a job as a laborer because I was that desperate to just get working. And I, I thank God, I guess, took a 50 cent increase from the company that I was working for my dad's company. I call my dad, dad, guess what? I got a job. He's like, thanks, excellent. That's awesome, Nate. So how much you making? I said, 1150. He's like, what? Do you realize how much you owe in rent in less than four weeks? <laughs> I said, okay, dad, God's got this. I think I gave him a few gray hairs. But one of the jobs I was working on, the reason why I say it costs more and it takes longer is because this, this uh, family lived in Irvine and they were remodeling their house in Irvine and there wasn't a lot of new construction going on then. A lot of people were just taking care of what they had and they had three kids. So it was wife, husband, three kids. He was, I believe, an attorney, and she was kind of a stay-at-home mom. And we remodeled every single room in their house, plus added on an addition, minus the master bedroom. So they literally had their microwave in their master bedroom, and everything else was tore apart. My job as the laborer was to clean everything by 3.30, so when the kids got home, they could start working on their homework. I don't know if you've ever been through a construction project. Trust me, I cleaned everything. It was the worst job. Thank God it created character in me. But I remember just like guys would come through and, you know, construction guys aren't the cleanest guys. Come on. I felt like their mother for four months. It's going to cost you more and it's going to take longer than what you thought. And these here are my illustrations to just help. Some materials, we got bricks and boards. We've got a bag of money because it's going to cost you more. And it's going to take longer than what you thought. And we got some tools. And let's get into this. The first thing is location. Before you start any project, you've got to have a location. You may have a dream, but if you don't have a location for your dream, it's not coming to nothing. Can I tell you, as we just read in Acts chapter 7, the location God has picked is you. And you may discount yourself out of this. You may disqualify yourself out of this. If only God knew who I was. You ever invite that person to come to church that doesn't want to come? because they feel like they're the world's worst sinner or church makes them feel uncomfortable. Maybe you've even done that yourself. Maybe there's been a season you've come in and you just feel like, oh, for some reason I don't want to get to church. Can I tell you that's the enemy trying to hold you back? John 15, Jesus said that I've chosen you before you even chose me. God's will is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Does that mean that all do come to repentance? It doesn't because he's given us a free will. He's given us a choice. Thank God in America, we have that protected, and we are fighting hard to keep it protected. But God has given us a choice. And can I tell you, when you feel those times in your life where you're holding back, that's where you need to press in the most. For some reason, if you're hiding something from God, it's the time you need him to help you the most with that thing in your life. Transparency and vulnerability before God is one of the most important things. And I want you to know the location that God desires to build on is you. You are the spot. Allow him to build in your life and be obedient to him. 
allow him to build and be obedient. Hebrews chapter four says this in, in verse 16. It says, we, let us come boldly. Somebody say, let us. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and that we may find grace in the time of need. Can I tell you, we're in a time of need right now. I, there hasn't been a, there hasn't been there hasn't been a house project that I've walked into that the customer hasn't wanted to remodel more. Can I tell you in your own life, you are gonna, there's a constant remodeling process that you need to stay in. You, can I tell you, until we stand before the very presence of God, you're going to be dwelling in a time of need. And I want you to know this, that we've been given the opportunity because Jesus Christ has gone before us and he has made a way not only does he sympathize with us, and not only does he relate with us in the struggles and the temptations we go through, but he's made a way through it. Somebody say, through it. You're not on your own. He's made a way through it that you can come boldly into the throne room of grace. Trust me, you may feel like you're dragging yourself in there, but get into the throne room of grace. Can, I, can you see this in your mind, that here comes this opportunity for you to stand in the very presence of God, the very throne room of God, and there is all source of grace. There is the very source of grace, the supply of grace. And this word grace, I've said it to you before, is the Greek word charis, and it means unmerited favor to you that you're able to receive divine influence upon your life and the ability to reflect him, that you're able to receive divine influence. You come to the very source. You don't deserve it, but he's invited you to come in to receive divine influence, instruction, Man, think of a project, and one of the things you pay a lot of money for, talking about cost, is the blueprints and the engineering. And God's like, come into my throne room of grace. I got prints and blueprints. I'll help you out. I want to influence you so your life looks like a reflection of mine. Mercy. You obtain mercy. Why do you need to obtain mercy? Because you're messed up. Why do I need to obtain mercy? Because I'm messed up. Isaiah stood before the very presence of God. He said, Lord, I don't deserve to be here. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the land of the people who are unclean. Why do we need mercy? Because that's the place we're coming from. But he's invited us to come into a place where we stand in the presence of God, unmerited to us. We don't deserve it. But in that place, he says, I don't remember your past. It's forgiven. God, I repent. What, I repent the, the condition I came in. If there's unbelief in my heart, clean it out. If, there's, if, there's, if I'm being tempted in any way, clean it out, God. I repent. And God says, you obtain mercy. And you find grace. Can I tell you, if you've been following the Wednesday night messages, you've heard a little bit about this, but you find something that you need. You know, the other day, Pastor Tammy gave me a whole ring of keys. And she said, Nate, can you find out what doors these are for? Because I don't, not, they're useless to me. Keys that you don't know what doors are there to are useless. Did you hear me? You don't find something you don't need. You find something that you're desperate for. God is picking you as his location to build on, on the foundation of Jesus Christ. If there's, a, if there's a, as we get into materials, if there's a thing that you need to know in your life, your foundation, your location, when you align yourself with God, he plants your feet on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Jesus was asking his disciples one day, who do you say I am? Some of them said Elijah, some said John the Baptist. And he said, Peter, who do you say I am? And he said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon that, I will build my, upon that confession is what it interprets to. Upon that confession is where I'll build my church. When you, when you align yourself with God, he puts your feet on Jesus Christ, on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, your foundation, immovable. He's picked you. He's picked you. 
He wants, to, him, he wants to dwell in you. He doesn't want to live in the four walls of this room. He doesn't want to live in a golden box called the Ark of the Covenant. He wants to live inside of you. Holy Spirit wants to live in you and guide you and comfort you and lead you. The location he's picked is you. Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this. Do you not know, Paul said this, do you not know that you are the temple of God? I remember growing up and my, my parents, I think, actually I think it was my grandmother, she was a firecracker. My grandma Snyder, Romaine. She's peering over the balcony of heaven right now. Probably cheering me on like, go. <laughs> she couldn't remember my name. She'd say, whichever one I'm looking at, that's the one I'm talking to. <laughs> she had so many grandkids. And, uh, but she would tell you, she would remind us that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I remember telling me, don't get any tattoos because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. She would say, like, that's how, we, that's how I was raised. Like, we have to so respect that this is where God wants to live at. And how are you going to treat it? Come on. There may be somebody that needs to correct their diet because God wants you to make a longevity run. Come on. There's, God wants you to live in such a way that you got to realize when you walk into your workplace, you're where the Holy Spirit is at. That's, I think that's why the governors want us shut down. They don't want the church moving because wherever you go, that's where the Holy Spirit's at. And you need to be around people. You need to be around people. The key to this location, God picking you, is obedience. Obedience. A quick little definition is hearing and doing. What's obedience? Hearing and doing. I just, Erica, this morning, we're getting the kids dressed. And she said, River, you need to be obedient. And he's like, yeah, mommy, yeah, mommy. Obedience is hearing what's being said and doing it. Matthew said this in verse, uh, chapter 7. Verses 24 through 27. I'm just going to paraphrase it for time's sake. But Jesus was saying the wise person, the wise man goes out and he builds his house upon the rock. And when the wind blows, the rains come and the rivers, the floods come around this house. He said it stands. He said, now, on the other hand, the foolish person goes out and he builds his house on the sand. And the same thing happens. The rains come, the winds start blowing and the floods surround it. And this falls, this house falls and it says, with such a great fall. And he goes on to compare that the man who was wise, not only did he hear the word of God, but he went out and he did what the word of God says. Can I tell you, every time I read the word of God, I've got to repent because there's things in my life that he starts aligning it with and saying these things need to be cut off in my life. Obedience is hearing and doing what God is telling you. Holy Spirit helps you in that. Can I tell you, you get surrounded. You get the word of God as you're reading it and you're hearing a word, you're hearing a message, you're hearing a sermon, and then you got a Holy Spirit that's stirring on the inside saying, yeah, that's you. I want to get that in your life. Amen? Hearing God's word and doing it. And the Bible says that no matter how bad the storm gets, can I tell you, we've been in a storm. And I believed you've been able to stand because of God's word in your life. Come on. Come on. No matter what happens, no matter what laws get passed, no matter what People that pretend to be powerful politicians do. God is still in control. Can I tell you, I don't know what's going to happen in 2021, but I know who holds 2021 in his hand. And if you stick to his word, if you stick to his word, the storm can do all that it wants, but you will stand. And if you will do, if you will speak that over your marriage, if you will speak that over your family, if you'll speak that over your city, if you'll speak that over yourself, your relationships, your finances, your house will stand. I'm talking about this house. Okay? Be founded on the rock is actually what 
Matthew 7 said, the wise man was founded on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus Christ. Somebody say, Jesus. Let's get into the cost a little bit. You, once you pick your location, now you start to figure out how much this thing's going to cost you. And in California, whoo, that's all I got to say. <laughs> Somebody's be daydreaming around here. God owns it all, though. I'm reminded of that. I just recently helped out on a project that cost the remodel. The remodel was $7 million. I'm like, where do they even make these numbers up from? So if you're going to actually, so this is where, once you pick the location, this is why you need to get people around you. You've got to find somebody that, that knows engineering. You've got to find somebody that's an estimator. You've got to find somebody that knows the materials, and they start helping you with the cost. A lot of times to the point that your jaw drops. That's what happened, what happened with my dad's company. And uh, so you need to have mentors and people in your life that you're surrounded by. Amen? Because there's people that know things that you need to know. And I love what Pastor Phil has encouraged us as a staff to do is it's not necessarily to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody is important. And, and we definitely hope for those opportunities. But read books. You, when you read a book that's maybe by a person that you would love to sit down and have a cup of, co cup of coffee with, you've actually been allowed to glean from their life. You know, a person that writes a book, that's months, probably years of their life that they've been learning this stuff. And you get to sit down and read it in a few hours. That's a mentor. That's a mentor in your life. But get people around you that can help you. Some things that it's going to cost us in our own life for God to be building this is it's going to cost us. We need to repent. I believe that that's the season. You know, God's wrath would come on the Old Testament. And I believe it's still functioning the same in the New Testament. God's wrath comes on a nation because he's wanting to move them to repentance. And when God's wrath comes, there's punishment for the wicked and there's protection for the righteous. So when you see things moving around you, first off, God, what do you need to, what do, you need to do in my life? What's it going to cost me? God, what are the things I need to get out of my life that look more Christ-like? Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this, and Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you want more of Holy Spirit in your life? Allow God to keep cleaning your house. Did you hear me? One way that we would do projects, my dad's company, is when they would get to a number that caused the customer's jaw to drop on the table, he would say, hey, we can do this, and we can do this, and we can do this in a series of projects. You know, we can start in the kitchen, and then we can move to the living room, and then we can move to the upstairs bathroom, right? Can I tell you that a lot of times that's how God does it? At least he's done it in my life that way. We can only handle so much. You know why God moved the Israelites into the promised land and he didn't just give it to them at once? Because they couldn't have maintained it. They came into Jericho. They captured Jericho and they moved to this city and they captured that city. God moved these people out. God does the same thing. He wants to move things out of your life, but you got to keep surrendering and repenting when it looks like there's something in your life that doesn't align with him. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, for this is your reasonable service, that you do not conform to the ways of this world, but that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove to that which is the good and acceptable will of God in your life. Give yourself as a living sacrifice. It's going to take surrender. Surrender of attitudes, sometimes surrender of relationships, sometimes surrender of motives. If your, motive is, if your motive is off, 
It's going to cost surrender. And these are the things that are uncomfortable. Can I tell you? They're uncomfortable. Suffering. We don't like to talk about that word. But Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 says, Though he was the Son, that's Jesus Christ, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. If he, being the very Son of God, allowing you and I to become sons and daughters of God through the blood of Jesus Christ and turning toward him, can I tell you there's going to be some things that we're going to go through. You may have suffered some things through this season that we've been in. But can I tell you that God is doing something in your life? Paul said, whenever you come into diverse temptations and trials, count it as a joy. It's a test. And when you take a test at school, it's because you're leveling up. You can see it. And when you go through suffering, you're like, oh, I don't know why I'm going through this. You know, you can keep your head down or you can say, okay, God, what's it for? I'm about to step up. You're going to sometimes suffer loss. Luke 9 and 23. This is one that I try to quote every day because it helps, get, it helps keep me balanced. It helps ground me. And he said to them all, this is Jesus speaking, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Did you hear how often that has to happen? That means I got to lose my desire to strive. Striving is good, but it can't, out, it can't supersede what God wants to do in my life. I've got to bring it back into submission and God, what do you want me to go after today? God, I deny myself and I take up the cross daily. What is the cross you have to be bearing? No one's perfect. Can I get a little wake up call here? No one is perfect. That thing in your life that you look at and you would say, I wish that wasn't there. I'm not talking about sin. That stuff needs to go. Okay. That's by the power of Jesus Christ that goes. But I'm talking about if it's, if it's a heartache, if it's a health matter, if it's something in your life, you need to look at it and say, God, I'm taking up my cross. Because what you're saying is, God, you are more powerful than this. If I keep my eyes focused on the problem, if I keep my eyes focused on that, you know, uh, let's just use a silly one. I, my ears are a bit out of balance. Okay? I look in the mirror. I'm like, man, this ear, why does it have to be so low? And, it, you know, and it's like, I can't do anything about that. Like, how much time do you spend in front of the mirror? Actually, not that much. But I've been doing this for almost 40 years now, so I get where it's misaligned. I can't do anything about that. So me, it's like, Jesus, I'm going to go after you, and you're, I'm going to someday stand before you, and I'm going to be perfected. Some people say, I wish I just could eat whatever I wanted, and I didn't have to worry about it. Can I tell you, that may be your cross. You still need to live with it, but Jesus Christ is greater than it, and stop focusing on that and keep focusing on him. He wants to build something amazing in your life. Amen? You may have some relationships in your life. Family stuff. Can I tell you, you can't cut those out. This may be your cross. This may be your cross. And the key is you can't do it on your own. And taking up your cross and following him means you're doing it with him. You're doing it with people that are like-minded. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Let's go. We got four, we got six minutes. Oh, it just clicked five minutes. Um, the mysterious things in life are the things that you need to go after the most. God said that he hides the things that are most valuable so that you have to come after them. Can I tell you the things in my life that have been the biggest mysteries have been the things that have been most rewarding. I, my plan was not to move to California. 
My plan was to grow up, maybe take over my dad's company. That's what I could see and fathom and understand. But can I tell you, the mystery that God have, have had and continues to have for my life is the most valuable thing in my life. The God adventure. Keep seeking him for it. Don't ever grow old. Don't ever grow old. For all eternity, we are going to be searching God and finding new things. Amen? I've met some people who are older than I am, but yet they have a younger attitude than I do. Don't ever grow old. Keep searching after the mysterious things. It's going to cost you tools. Actually, Abraham said, I'm looking. Real quick, Abraham said, that, I love this, in Hebrews 11, verse 10, Abraham said, I'm looking for a city whose maker and builder is God. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. He didn't even hold the promise completely in his hand. He didn't give up. Tools. My dad used to always say, you may have the tool, but that doesn't mean you know how to use it. <laughs> so check this out. Check this out. I'm not going to hit anybody with this. <laughs> Although I wanted to hit Drew. No. Pastor Drew, love you. <laughs> I just had to use him. He's my sermon prop guy. Anyways. So... Two years ago, River, you know, he would have been, what, four years old. He's like, Dad, I want to help you put up the Christmas lights. And so I'm like, okay, River, but the first thing you need to learn how to do, because he saw me, like, hammering the Christmas lights around the garage door. And I was like, you got to figure out how to hammer first. I'm like, can you even pick up the hammer? He's, no, it wasn't that bad. But I get a board, and I get a nail, and he's out there whacking away. I'm teaching him. And, and finally, you know, I said, once you get that nail into the board, you can help me put up the Christmas lights. Should not have made that caveat, but I did. So sure enough, he's back there, you know, tongue out. He's hammering away, and he gets the, <laughs> he gets the nail down. I think I may have even used a screw, because I was like, man, if he gets that in, like, power to him. <laughs> so he hammers this thing down, and the next thing, he's like, Dad, I'm ready to go. You said, once I get that into the board, I can help you put the Christmas lights up. I'm like, okay, okay. So I give him the hammer, and I give him, I'm putting, like, the wire staples up, and uh, I hand him one of those, and I... Should have turned my back, but I had to go get something else. And next thing you know, I hear like, kish, kish, kish. he's not hammering the staple into the wood. He's hammering the glass bulbs on the Christmas lights. <laughs> and they're like the old fashioned kind, you know, they're like big and really easy to hit for a kid, a four year old with a hammer. And he's just going down the line. Bing, bing. <laughs> just because you have the tool doesn't mean you know how to use it. And my dad always said, if you're going to build something, if you're going to do, if you're going to do a job, you do it with the best tools you can possibly do. Tools. What are the tools that we need to use in building our relationship with God? Worship. Prayer. God's word and his anointing for your life. You can put in parentheses there, faith, because you need it in every single one of those aspects. Worship. Jesus gave us an example of how important this was when Satan was tempting him in Matthew chapter 3, verses 10, and he told Satan told Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. He was trying to hyperspeed Jesus to what was already his, tempting him. Jesus knew it was already his, but he had to face the temptation because you and I face the same thing. Hyperspeed to what God has already promised for you. We can't. We've got to stay obedient to him, to the Father and what he wants for our life. Then he said this. Jesus' reply to Satan when he was being tempted was he said, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Did you hear that? He didn't say, for I have said, there's power in God's word. Jesus even used it the way he showed us an example that he said, it is written. This is the very word of God speaking 
And he is saying, it is written, for I will worship the Lord my God and him only will I serve. He said this, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Worship. We need to allow God to build into our lives a grace and an understanding of what it means to worship him. Yes, in song, Yes, with clapping and dancing and praising, that's important. But God, what does it look like that I have a lifestyle of worship? That everything is done unto you as that as I bring it to your very throne and I bow down before you, offering it to you. My, in my own personal life, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my occupation, in my hobbies. God, that you would be worshiped in these things. Not that I'm worshiping them. That's what happens. It becomes an idol. That's idolatry. Where I start losing focus and I start getting fixated with it. All right, prayer. Prayer doesn't make things easier, but it simplifies things in your life. Amen? You went through this last season, 2020. I'm sure I can attest to this. We've all spent more time praying. And has it not helped us to see clear what's important in our life? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16, it says, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. God's word is important. It's a tool that we can build in our lives. God's word, Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than an any double-edged sword to the piercing of even and dividing the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow, and the discerning of the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. Why is the word of God so important? Why is it a tool that God wants to build in your life? Because it is sharper than your, than your thoughts. It can help discern and divide and cut apart what is my intentions, what is God's intentions. Yours are, God's put in you the desires, but sometimes we need the fat cut off of them, right? Sometimes we need the, we need the, the, the extra stuff on it that's not part of what God wants in our life. And the word of God helps us to do that. Materials, materials. I actually, I put this in my notes real quick before tools. We need to build a backbone in this season. And maybe you've been one who's been standing and you've been praying and you've been continuing to work and minister and witness, but build a backbone. There are people that I believe that in this 2021 may have missed it, and God wants to strengthen you. You're not done yet. You're not done yet, because God says, having done all to stand, stand therefore having in Ephesians, having done all to stand. You know what? There are times, sometimes you stand, and you feel like you still get hit. You need to keep standing. Amen? All right. Materials. Spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit. And just a little side note here, if you don't know what those are, if you don't know what a spiritual gift is, if you would like to get into link class, we start it next week. Little, little punch here for this. Because we take a spiritual giftings test. And spiritual gifts are important because God has put things in you. Like David said, God knew me when I was being put together in my mother's womb. Do you know that God has given you things, talents, abilities, gifts, that when you are redeemed, when you have repented and turned toward God, they become redeemed, and they now are being used to bring God glory. But sometimes we completely miss it, and we just end up doing a career because it gives us a good paycheck. And you know how many people in America dislike their jobs? I'm sure it's higher than this, but at one point it was 75% of people in America dislike. Can I tell you that's because your giftings and God's calling on your life comes from divine revelation from him. That tells me that 75% of people in America do not have a relationship with God in such a way that they would feel a sense of fulfillment in what he has called them to do. Amen? Understand the materials that God wants us to build with. 
understand what God wants us to build. I talked about the foundation a little bit ago, but the spiritual gifts. So your foundation, let's just put this down here for a quick minute. Your foundation, of course, is built on Jesus Christ represented by that brick. But then, you know, the amazing thing about a foundational work, if if you are familiar with construction, is you can't see it, right? In Pennsylvania, all the houses that we built had basements. You couldn't see them whenever you're walking up to the project because it's a hole and it's dug down in the ground. You think of skyscrapers, they go down, you know, sometimes like 20 stories down into the ground to anchor this building. We need to understand that God wants to, yes, have our feet fixed upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ, but then there's something that he wants to do to establish us. When a building is established, you see that it's completed, it's, it's standing, it's erected, it's, it's out of the ground. You look from far away and you can say, wait, look at that house, look at that building. There are things, the steel, the windows that make it established. You're in your life. Spiritual gifts are the thing that establish you, that allow the world to look at what God's doing in your life and allow you to shine bright for him, to be a witness and to be a minister for Jesus Christ. And that's actually what the fruit of the spirit hangs on. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance, faith. They go together. And I tell you, when I, I caught that, I was like, oh my goodness, aha moment. Fruit just doesn't supernaturally, miraculously just pop up out of the ground. It has to have a structure that it hangs on. Your spiritual giftings, like this two by four, is something that comes up out of the ground and you can hang windows on it. You can hang different things on it. Your spiritual giftings in your life are the things that the fruit of the spirit, what the world's looking for, love and joy and peace and long suffering. And they keep trying to find it in wrong relationships and addictions and drugs. And we're the answer for it. Psalms. 127 verses one said, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Like I said, it's the giftings that God has given to you, but you've got to surrender them to him. Because when the Lord builds the house, can I tell you that we could put all of that two by, we could have every single two by four, we could have every single nail, we could have everything there laying on the job, but unless somebody comes and starts putting it together, there ain't nothing happening. Romans chapter one says this, Paul said this to the Romans. He said, I long to see you that I may impart to you a spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is that we, that I may encourage, I may be encouraged together with you by mutual faith, both you and me. There's something that happens when you, that's why church is so important because you can start exercising your gifts. There's no cost here. You don't have to go get a college degree to exercise your gift in a church. If we're all involved in making our community better, getting an empowerment program, getting in helping in kids, helping in youth, getting in a group, being leading a group, teaching a Bible study, listen, stir the gifts that God has given you. Stir up some that may you gotta blow the dust off and get them going. Amen. You guys learned something today? I think we covered it all. I want to, uh, here's the reason why I brought this drill up here. If anybody's ever built anything and you've had to tear it apart, you respect the drill at a whole nother level. We used to have a saying, because the work that my dad's company does is like, would be high-end residential and then um, commercial and light industrial work. And we would get some customers that you just, it didn't matter what you did, you couldn't get it right. 
And so we came up with this slogan, we do it nice because we do it twice. <laughs> because they just, they, it didn't, you know, they, they didn't see it on the print or they couldn't see it. And then when they see it in person, like, I don't like it, tear it out. We want six cabinets instead of five. It's like, <clears throat> but you respect tools that can do the job better. And I tell you, I think in 2021, God wants to, he's still doing and he's still working and he's still building, but there's ways to do it with efficiency. And there's ways to do it with speed. And I believe that's what God is wanting to stir in us. You've been building. You've been building. But I believe Holy Spirit is continuing to pour out in the day and age. I believe that we are in the midst of the world's greatest revival. Come on. Do you believe it? It is not a time for us to push back and become lackadaisical and physical distance ourselves from society. It's time for us to lean in. It's time for us to even start self-evaluating, take an inventory. God, where are the areas in my life that I wanna see you building? It comes with surrender, repentance, obedience, hearing and doing, and allowing God to build you. Paul said, or Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter two, that we are living stones. Did you know that? You are a living stone that God desires to put into his temple. We need each other. We need each other at our best. We need each other in community. We need each other in our city. We need each other. And I believe it starts, especially with me, allowing God to continue to build in my life. It's a time to build. It's not a time for us to become lazy. It's a time to build. Building takes work. Building's gonna get calluses. You're gonna get calluses. You may even smash your fingers. I saw somebody earlier who had smashed her fingers. Cynthia, in Jesus' name, be healed. It's work. And it's uncomfortable. Like I said earlier, if you've ever been through a project, it's uncomfortable. God wants to continue to build in our lives. What do you need to build in your life? Is it your devotional life? Is it more time in his word? Is it praying? Is, and these, these are relationship things. Don't get into the religious side of it. Get into the relational side. God, I want to know you more. I want to hear your voice. Spend time in his word. God, I want to know you. Spend time in his word. How do you stir up faith? How do you become disciplined in your Sabbath? How do you become disciplined and rest? Do you, do you know that one of the words, I didn't have time to tell you this, one of the Greek words in that Acts chapter seven that I read, read, it actually meant that God wants to come and he wants to rest upon you. If you're too busy, tired, and he's like, he can't rest there. He wants to rest. Is it healthy boundaries in your life? Is it a budget? What is it that you need to build into your life? Is it your marriage is it self-control? Is it the fruit of the Spirit? Is it parenting? Is it serving? Is it leadership? Get into a team. Get a part of a group. Get involved. Is it fulfillment? Are you feeling something in your life where it's a lack of fulfillment? Can I tell you, it all comes from God. It all comes from God. And maybe this morning you would be saying, or maybe today you would be saying, I don't know if I'm in a relationship with God. Maybe you came in here because somebody invited you. Maybe you came because you just saw there was a church crazy enough to be open right now. And maybe you would be asking yourself this question. I want to know God, and I don't know if I do know God. Can I tell you that God wants to know? He already knows you, but he wants you to allow him the ability, the access to come into your life and to let him be Lord of your life. Can I pray with you today? I'm not doing anything other than believing with you. He's the one who saves you. Jesus Christ saves you. 
whenever I said in Acts chapter two that repent, Peter stood up and said, repent and be baptized that you may be that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you may receive the remission of sin. Do you know who does all that? Jesus Christ. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves you. Jesus is the one who fills you with his spirit. Jesus is the one who makes you new. I'm just simply believing with you. I'm somebody that says, hey, I know how much you need this and I'm willing to pray with you. So I want you to make this your prayer right where you're at. You may be watching online. You may be outside in our outside pavilion. But I want you to believe this. Pray it with me. And the Bible says in Romans that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, at that point you are saved. God writes your name in his book called the Lamb's Book of Life. Do you know that I think soon and on one day, soon, soon to us, sooner to us than I think we believe, God's gonna open that book. In Revelation it talks about this and he is gonna call you by that name that's been written in that book, your name. How do you get it written in there? Make him your Lord and Savior. Repent and turn toward him. I wanna pray with you today. Make this your prayer. Heavenly Father, oh, we can all pray that together. For those of you, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you so loved this world. You gave your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. A sinner, I turn to you. I repent for the direction I was going. Unbelief, sin, wickedness, and I turn to you. Thank you for saving me and making me yours. Jesus Christ, be Lord of my life. I confess you today in Jesus' name, amen. Can you just rejoice for a minute? Come on. That is the best thing. You just allowed the master builder to start constructing on your site. Come on. Let's give God some more glory.